to the Coven. I'm your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and I am the legendary Wicked Witch of the Sound Waves. Today, for our special Woman History Month episode, we have a special guest joining me today. Rachel Smith, I teach Women and Gender Studies for the university. Welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day. So what's kind of been bubbling in your cauldron? Like, what have you, what have you been, uh, I don't know, interested in? What's What's kind of... What's my thing? What's your thing? What's my jam? What's your jam? My jam, um, well, of course, is anything and all things women and um, equality. Um, but I actually have my master's degree from Ball State in history. And I am really interested in women and religion, women's places in religion, even though I'm here to talk about women and work today. Um, but that's kind of where I, I fit. And I actually wrote my master's thesis on um, contemporary paganism and the role of heterosexual and homosexual males in a female-centered religion. What? So that sounds cool. I'd yeah. rather be talking about that today. <laughs> that sounds a lot Well, more considering the, the name of your show, yeah, I can I mean, imagine. Coven, yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. That's another episode idea. That might be. Because actually the name of your show is one reason why I said yes. Perhaps. Well, <laughs> here we are. So as... Rachel said today, uh, we are going to be talking about women in the workplace and how the pandemic has uh, quite affected that. So uh, women in the workplace, like this problem has just been existing even before the pandemic. And the pandemic has definitely exasperated this problem. So obviously the COVID-19 pandemic has just driven out millions of women just out of the workforce and this is after we've made a lot of progress of getting women into the workplace specifically the STEM field and just in general you know and it's kind it's quite sad to see all of our progress being erased because of this virus mm -hmm. you know yeah it just it sucks so according to the National Women Law Center women uh, female workforce workforce participation has already dropped to 57%, which is the lowest since 1988. What do you think that this is? I know we've probably already addressed this, but what are your thoughts, feelings? I'm, I'm going to tread very lightly here, but children is the reason. Um, when, you know, women are considered to be responsible, um, and oftentimes when you look at single mothers um, who are solely responsible for children, then the, the role of taking care of the children and, and a child care, child care is so expensive um, that oftentimes, and I've known, uh, you know, several women who literally cannot afford to work because they would be working to pay for child care. And so when you add in the fact that now we have, you know, children who can't go to school because of the pandemic, somebody has to stay home with children. And because of the fact that women do make less money, if even if it is a two-parent household, um, women make less money and therefore their jobs can be sacrificed, whereas their partner's job cannot because they're the primary breadwinner. And so um, children is, is really what it boils down to. And I'm not saying that children are a bad thing, but women very much have been saddled with that responsibility. Right. And I mean, uh, obviously, like, it... it it seems like women are picking up this double shift, one at work, one at home. And it's just, you know, typically in our society, I've seen I've seen a lot of stuff of men don't really do the parenting. It's like men are babysitting their own children. You know, I've seen a lot of posts on Facebook that are like, oh, my my husband, he just he just babysitted our kids so I could just go out. And I'm like, that's not babysitting. That's parenting. Right. right. That dude is the father of his children. That's not that's not babysitting and it, it just it wilds me to see how unequal this parenting role is you mm. know like and if you even look at single fathers they're looked down upon it's it's weird to see that completely unequal standard in parenting yes yeah. so um and also i feel like part of the reason why this problem exists is because of the wage gap do you think in part do you think that kind of plays a role? I do. In part, it plays a role because men have always made more money outside of the home um, due to the fact that it was automatically assumed that they had a family to take care of, right? Women were paid less traditionally, and especially during the time of and, and immediately following the Industrial Revolution where you have more women moving from the farm into the cities, getting jobs. 
Um, it was expected that her main priority would be to find a husband and have children. And so they didn't have to pay her um, to pay her more or equal to a man because he had a family to take care of. She eventually would have been taken care of by somebody else. And so that's where all of this crap started, right? And so as we move on, it keeps getting perpetuated that women don't have the responsibility of taking care of others that someone else will take care of them. But we're in the 21st century. That is not the case. And even in the 21st century, studies have actually shown that when women um, get married <clears throat> in general, regardless of, of the type of relationship they're in, whether it's a heterosexual relationship or same-sex um, relationship, um, that when women get married, that they generally take on um, roughly about 14 additional hours of work a week. Really? Yes. Whereas a man will generally take on about an hour and a half um, additional hours of work a week. And that's just through marriage. That's not even counting outside employment, outside of the home. And a lot of women... Um, especially when they have full-time employment, and especially if the more educated they are, the more career-driven they are, um, if they are in the upper echelon of a corporation or their position, um, they have a very guilty complex about the fact that they are away from home. So they do come home and pull that second shift of cooking and cleaning and taking care of the children and bathing and homework and all of that other stuff. Um, even though they're exhausted, but they do that because they do. There is this guilt factor also of society telling them, "You are supposed to be at home with your children. You are not a good mother if you are outside, and outside of the home doing something else." And even in the 21st century, this stuff is still going on, and it's ridiculous, but it is. Yeah. It, you know, it sucks because we've come. I feel like we've come so far as a society just with the whole Me Too movement and just bringing equality and awareness to women's issues and all of that. And yet, our mindset, especially in the professional setting, is still stuck in back in the day. And the the way our workforce is structured and uh, in terms of paid leave and maternity leave, we're all still stuck in like the 1900s. Mm -hmm. So why do you think that is? Why do you think we've changed socially, but we haven't changed professionally? Who's running the professions? <laughs> right. And, and there, I mean, that, that right there is the answer to the question, right? Um, you actually do find that in a, in a number of cases where um, it's female CEOs and, and female leaders and things like that, that there are instances of equality taking place. However, when you still have um, the, the white male who is in charge and who is still responsible, and quite frankly, they're not looking at, am I providing a living wage for all of my employees? They're looking at, you know, how can I save more money? How can I put more, more money in my pocket? And it just, it becomes an issue that um, until we get representation at the top, we're not going to see it um, anywhere else. It's it's not going to be there. And, and so that's what really, that's why it's so important for Women's History Month. That's why it's so important for more women in STEM fields. That's why it's so important for female representation everywhere, you know, and not just white female representation, you know, women of color also, because we can sit and talk about the, the wage gap. But the problem is, is that, you know, um, women of color Traditionally, they make less money than white women. And so that, too, needs to be addressed. The fact that that black women make less, Latina women make less, Native American women make less. It's it, it's something that until we can fix it across the board, it will continue to be a problem. And it's it is about representation and who's sitting in those chairs in the ivory towers. Yeah, it's just. Man, I got no words because I feel like when people people look at it just at that first glance, it's just women are paid less. You know, we don't really see that division of, OK, so like these ethnicities of women are paid this. I didn't know there's that disparity absolutely between white women, black women, Na Native American women, all, like all these ethnicities. I didn't know that. And I mean, I feel like that plays into like another part of that child care cost because apparently like average child care in every single state uh takes up about seven percent of the annual ha household income that's it, it costs about a thousand two hundred per month and nine hundred per month for a toddler mm -hmm. why are children this expensive <laughs> i i literally did not know that 
I I didn't know children cost money. Mm. Like I just thought, oh, you just you have a kid, like ta da, like it's there. I didn't know that a child was a financial investment. And you know, I've I've been seeing that during the pandemic, a lot more people that I know of are having children. And it's like, well, are you in the right financial situation? Because I know a lot of people have been under a lot of financial stress, but then they're also having kids. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Yeah, they're adding to their stress. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have, like, friends in college right now who are my age, and they're having a kid. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, but college debt? Hello? Pandemic? Hello? Like, what, what is happening? Just think about that, you know? And it's it's weird because I've seen a lot of uh, from-home childcare people doing that, and it's it's helping but then how how are women supposed to balance that at home from homework and dealing with their children right well and that's the thing is that oftentimes it is put on her right um and of course too i think that a lot of people um and and please don't get me wrong i mean i'm I'm more of a realist, but there is a lot of optimism in the world. And so people automatically assume that, oh, um, you know, I've gotten pregnant. And so everything's going to be, you know, sunshine and roses and teddy bears and rainbows. And, um, you know, we're going to grow old and live happily ever after together. Um, But so they don't take into consideration what happens when this person is no longer in your life. And how do you... um, how do you manage? You know, what do you do? And if you look back at the at other generations, my mother is a great example. You know, you do what you have to do in order to survive. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, my mother, um, <laughs> she was she got pregnant at, at 16. And, and believe it or not, I was planned. That's a whole nother story. Uh, her and my father planned me so that they could get married. It, they were ridiculous because they were teenagers. And uh, but the thing about it is, is that she also wasn't allowed to attend school after she started showing. Right. This is the the 70s. Interesting. Right. So she was booted out of school while my father got to finish school and graduate high school. And so when my parents divorced, then my father moved to Texas, leaving me and my mother here. And she had no high school diploma. You know, she had to take care of me you know, as a single woman and, and a mother. And so she, you know, she did what she had to do. She worked in bars as a waitress and a bartender, and she worked in restaurants, and, you know, she did what she had to do. Um, and quite frankly, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I think she did a, a fantastic job because, you know, here I am now. But yeah. um, but that's the thing is that that's what people don't think of, right. the fact that children are expensive. And it does take a lot of time and effort and energy and me personally, I can say that, um, you know, I, I've never had I've never had the mommy itch. I have never it's never been something I wanted to scratch um, because I have been somebody who has always said, I want to do everything in this lifetime that I want to do first. And then if I decide to get married, I want to do something that me and my significant other you know, want to do everything that we want to do together. And then if, you know, I get of a certain age and I decide to have children then I will have done everything in this lifetime that I want to do. And I think that is a perfectly good mentality to have. But while I think that, a lot of people might get irked by that. And trust me, I have seen that. Like, So for me, for those of you who don't know, I am Indian. So my culture is very... They put a lot of they put a lot of emphasis on yeah you get married you have kids uh, and then that's it. Yeah. But I've seen like my mom my mom had me at 24 mm-hmm. I think and it's quite a young age and I'm like I'm what like three years away from that like 21 I cannot imagine myself getting married and like popping out a kid yeah. like in my mid 20s no like I want to live my life I want to work I want to graduate I want to do all of that I want to live my life and my mom speaking of yours like my my mom was privileged enough to be at a be a stay-at-home mom and her entire job for as long as I can remember was taking care of me and my dad would go to work and he would work and he would come back in the evenings and eat, like whatever time he had he would play with me but the majority of the child rearing was my mom Mm -hmm. you know and we were fortunate enough financially to be okay with just one parent working but also at the same time I can't help wonder all the opportunities that my mom missed out like my mom could have been an economics professor at one of the most prestigious universities in India 
and she could have been doing that and she had like i think she had her master's in economics and she was invited to do her phd and you know when i think about that she gave all of that up for me and she just spent her like almost 10 years if not more taking care of me and she missed out on all those opportunities and i like sometimes i feel that guilt of oh it's my it's my fault that my mom didn't get to live her life the way she wanted she won't she won't say that she won't obviously she's she's content with whatever she has because she's teaching now she's a teacher she's doing her thing she's happy she works with kids she's she's -hmm. great she's an amazing teacher but then also at the same time you know she could have been miles ahead and i've seen a lot of statistics that almost like a lot of women hold these care jobs mm-hmm. uh, which includes teaching hospitality nursing mm-hmm. all of these jobs and these jobs are typically underpaid not or not unless a, you're a man unless you're a man exactly. because because then the glass elevator yep. gets goes into effect right that exactly. that men in these teaching these k-12 through teaching jobs um men in nursing positions men in in hospitality still get paid more than women do, even though those are women-dominated fields. Exactly. And you see yeah. men get praised for that yes. a lot more. It's like, yes. I, well, how many male teachers did you have going through school? I probably, I mean, I could count on my fingers how many male teachers. I mean, I had, like, a history teacher, I had a language arts teacher, but math teacher. Well, yeah, because the history teacher had to be the football coach, right? Exactly. Right. You know, because funding in schools, woo public school, yay. Um, and I mean, like, math teachers, obviously. And even... Uh, it's usually math and science where I had a lot more male teachers. You didn't really get that many male teachers in, so say like female subjects like history, art, language arts, music. You don't really get that. And even within teaching, you see that division of labor, and they get they get praised more. Like, oh, you're a teacher. You work with kids. Oh, you're so you're so strong. You're such a manly man. And you. You also see those posts um, on social media that say, like, when I see a man good with children, my heart just melts. Uh, (laughs) Honey, that's just the way people have to be. Like, either you're good with kids, you got, like, a vibe with kids, or you don't. Right. To be a good human, you need to be good with kids. You don't need to be male or female. It doesn't doesn't matter if you're a male or female. It's like, oh, you're female and you're not good with kids. You hate kids. Oh, ew. What's wrong with you? Yeah, I get get that constantly. What's the matter with you? You don't want to have children what you don't like children exactly it, children are fine but i, I don't want to be a mother yeah you know I and that's that okay cool, i want to be that cool aunt yeah right i am the cool auntie i have seven nieces and nephews and i can spoil them rotten send them home and i am good yeah you, you know gotta, and so are they have that, i love the cool aunt <laughs> idea it's it's completely amazing you just have them for a little time and then once you're done with them you're like okay yep and you give the, your... you give them all the toys that their parents won't won't buy for them exactly. that like make a lot of noise and then you send the toys home with them <gasps> you've yeah. got it you've just got, I got it down ma- you got it down yeah and, and the toys also cannot have batteries because like parents will pull them out oh. so the noisemaker toys have to be toys like a tambourine Right, or oh drum set God. and all of that stuff. So you're a master. Please, I am a master. Please teach me. <laughs> Make me your protege because this is what I want to be. Yes, this is. I am a master at this one. I actually bought my niece uh, one year for Christmas a cotton candy maker. No. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. My sister wow. was was angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I wonder if her house is just like cotton, cotton candy, candy everywhere. everywhere. Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yeah, I think my niece was probably about, I don't know, 11 or 12 at the time. So Oh, that is great. It was great. Yeah, it was a perfect auntie moment. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't have any siblings, but for my cousins, yeah. like, if they have kids, I'm definitely going to gonna be that and just give them all, like, the worst toys possible. Yes. You know, that's what I'm going to do. Yes. Oh, my God. It's my contribution. It's ironic because when I was a kid, I hated toys that made noise. Yeah. It's interesting because, like, you know those uh, stuffed toys that if you press their hand, it'll make it noise? That used to freak me out. <laughs> I, I hated that. So anyone, like, people would give me, like, those toys, and I'd just be like, nope. Yeah. See, anything that, that made a noise, I was good. Well, my, my absolute most favorite was I had a, a record. It was a portable record player, and it played 45s, like 45 vinyls, you know. And really? so Yeah. And so I would take that thing everywhere with all my records, and I was playing music all the time. Now, ask me if I can sing or if I'm musical. No, but I love music. So You don't, you don't have to be a singer or no, anything to no. have to you like know. music, you know. Right. Yeah. That's but like, I just but in the louder, the better. Yeah, so. just you got to drown out the screams of the children. You have to somehow. drown out everything. Somehow. Yeah. And just get lost. Honestly, yeah. I can't. I mean, speaking of 
the screams of children. Yeah. I can I can't imagine working with like two children running in the background. Right. You know? And I think it's again it like goes with that with that paid leave and with that maternity like with the lack of maternity leave. Yeah. You know? That is a problem. It's just well, not just maternity leave, but paternity leave, exactly. right? Because even in, in the United States, I mean, the United States, ugh, for a developed country, we are jacked. We are behind. Severely behind, right? And so uh, maternal leave for, for women and, you know, I mean, it for the most part, unless a company pays, it's unpaid, you know. Um, there are women who are going out delivering and then, you know, um, maybe spend a couple of days in the hospital, go home, spend a couple of days with the kid, and then they're right back to work again because they need the paycheck. They need to be able to work. Right. Um, and then that's not even counting paternally for fathers, you know, to be able to or partners, right, if they adopt or what have you, to be able to take off and to come and, and also have that bonding experience with the newborn. Right. And, and that's so important. It's so important. And I've seen, like, a lot of parents just – leave well very i wouldn't say newborn but very young kids at daycare and go to work and i don't i don't know much about pregnancy or prenatal care and all that jazz because i've never popped out a kid but i would assume that like for the first couple months at least you need to have that bonding time That's with what your most kid. The experts say yeah. yeah and it's just it's saddening to see parents just drop off their like couple month year old not year, but month kids fresh out of the womb, like at a daycare. And then, and especially during the pandemic, you know, and kids are a lot more susceptible to virus and any, anything, especially COVID. And well, kids are germy anyway. Kids are germy. <laughs> They're germy. Honestly, mom, if you're listening to this, hats off to you. Cause my mom works in an elementary school and the stories that she has, I literally could not. I, I could not, and I would love to share them, but I don't think people want to hear about my mom's gross germy stories with germy kids. Nope. Yeah, no. It's honestly, <laughs> God bless you, mom. You you do you do God's work. <laughs> honestly, Way to go, with, mom. Dealing with kids, it's whack. But, you know, just, again, I see, I see parents dropping off their kids at childcare, and if they can afford it, too. Right. Um, and, again... Childcare centers are not really that safe, especially right. now during COVID, all of that. Like I had a coworker that was saying like she was at work and she was like, yeah, I dropped off my kid at daycare and I have to like leave early so I can go pick him up so my husband can go to his shift and I can stay at home. And it's like this whole coordinating thing that a lot I, I that I didn't realize a lot of parents had to juggle because now that we realize like schools are essentially daycare centers. Yes. And yes. now we don't have that. Right. And then that's that's put a, a larger strain on women. But you also just said something, too, that that is a major and has a major impact on working women. And that's the fact and why they also get paid less, because when something goes wrong, right, with the child at daycare, at school, whatever the case may be, who do they call? The right. Mom, yeah. They call mom um, and mom has to take off from work and mom has to adjust her schedule. And so that also is another reason for employers to to be able to justify um, being able to pay women less because they feel like, oh, well, they don't work as much or they're not doing as much or they have to take off more. Um, and at the same time, it's, it's a vicious cycle because generally speaking people don't call dad because dad's work is considered to be more important because dad's work is paid more right, right. It, it's it's bigger contributor to the family so dad needs to keep his job so then it's up to mom to be able to go and get the children and go and do these things um and so this is this is a huge issue um and it's also part of the problem right of, of why these things are happening um, there, of course, there's exceptions to everything, right? There are dads who go and pick their children up. So I am in no way saying that, that they're not. But for the most part, when we look at um, who's doing what, it's oftentimes when it comes to the child rearing, when it comes to dealing with children, um, it is expected that women will do it. And it's expected that, um, that you know, dad's job is just more important. And that's in heterosexual families. Yeah. And it's typically seen that the male or the husband is the breadwinner, yeah. which Maybe in some cases, the mom or the woman is the breadwinner. Yep. You never know. Right. And I've seen in a lot of job applications, it's, it asks, like, okay, so are you married? Do you have children? That's good law. 
or I mean, maybe not job applications. They better not. But, uh, <laughs> maybe not job applications, yeah. but I guess like on forms and stuff like, oh. and you know, I, I, I don't have personal experience with this because I'm not applying for jobs quite yet, and I don't want to. I'm not quite ready. Yeah. Um. But you know, I feel like there's there's that subtle discrimination, mm-hmm. you know, especially during job interviews or anything like that, and I I feel like that information affects a woman's ability to get hired whether yes. or not they get like if if they're like oh do you have kids or something like i i'm not quite sure if that's a thing that you can ask no. during a job interview you cannot or that also is illegal interesting yeah hmm. but I... see there's the thing is that there's always ways around it right mm-hmm. um it's not um for employers they can they can always ask questions not dr- they can't ask do you have children mm-hmm. right um, but they could say, you know, um, do you have other demands on your time that may prevent you from completing your duties? So that's just like the same thing, but. Right. But they never asked about your children. Interesting. Right? So. Um, so, yeah. And, and as somebody who's being interviewed for those jobs, right, you have to be on your toes about that stuff and, and be aware so, that that's and, what they're asking. And what do you like? What do you say to that? I said that if, if they're asking those kind of questions, run, because that's not the job you want anyway. You know, um, it, they need to know about your skills. They don't need to know about your other demands on your time, because quite frankly, what you do on your own time is your business and they don't need to know about those demands on your time. So interesting. Yeah, I say run. OK, yeah. I will. I will keep that in mind. I didn't yeah. I didn't know that was the thing, but mm-hmm. I've just been I've just been on Reddit a lot. Yeah. And, you know, God bless Reddit. It is the front <laughs> page of the Internet. Um, but, you know, I've, I've seen a lot of posts by a lot of women uh, saying just just uh, ranting about their current situation during the pandemic, which is actually what inspired this podcast. So thank you, Reddit. Brought to you by Reddit. <laughs> li- Got to put that little plug in there. But I've seen a lot of uh, women just on uh, channels. Are they channels? Anyway, called like r slash women, ask women, uh, just vent. And all of these concerns are just like, yeah, I didn't get enough time for maternity leave. I don't get enough time to uh, go into work. Like I don't have that division of home and life right right and now i feel like just with the pandemic and just like not even just mothers but everyone everyone's home and work life is getting so blended together and it's not really doing much for anyone's mental health and much less i feel like a lot of women and a lot of working mothers are getting burnt out faster than the average person well and speaking of though the internet memes things like that let me just say about a meme that i i had read today about the fact that from now on it said something to the effect of from now on i'm not going to use the word burnout i'm going to use the word exploited because because burnout actually insinuates that it's that person's fault right and and so i in relation to that, I think that a lot of these women are being exploited. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is that that exploitation may be um, intentional, right, through employers and that type of thing. But it also may be unintentional through significant others who, quite frankly, and for whatever reason, have not got it through their mind and their in their skull that that there are things that are important and that could actually relieve a lot of stress on an individual um, just by simply, I don't know, giving the child a bath, you know, and getting them ready for bed, um, not coming home and sitting in their favorite chair and cracking open and open a beer and watching the games, you know, for March Madness. But the fact that dinner has to be made and baths have to be given and homework needs to be done and, you know, all of these other things that that you've got to participate in those things in order to help your partner. Exactly. Um, and so in a, in a large way, it's it's exploitation. And. Because a lot of these women, they want to be able to do it all. And quite frankly, the second wave of feminism, you know, the 1960s and 70s, they told everybody, we can have it all. We can have the career. We can have the family. We can have everything, right? Um, unfortunately, what they did forget to tell us, you know, and in, in a, to a certain degree, what they did forget to tell us was is that we also need to make sure that we're choosing partners who will be partners to us and who will make sure that we can have it all and not be exploited and not be burned out and make sure that we can have our careers, we can may have our children and our families, um, but that we have partners through this life and not somebody who's going to, you know, want us to do everything. 
I feel like just that portion is that part of any medical ad that they say super fast. Like it's like, it's all it's like oh this this pill will make you feel all this way and then all these side effects like may cause death seizures whatever and it's all said like at the end and it's super fast. I feel like that's what's happening yeah. with the feminism movement yeah. or the second wave of feminism is that what you just said is not being acknowledged or it's not being put on blast. Yeah. Well, but that's the thing, like the third wave, right? Because the third wave started in around the 1990s. And the third wave of feminism has been very much about ensuring the equality of everything, right? It's not just about women, it's about everybody and, and raising everybody up. Um, part of raising everybody up is also making sure and and calling people out and in, right, to let them know that these things are no longer acceptable right these behaviors are no longer acceptable um as a woman i am not going to be your doormat right um i had <laughs> when i was in high school um my mother had no, my mother like I said, she was um a product of of she was born in the late 50s and so she was very much she had me in 75 so she was very familiar with the second wave but she was qu quite the contradiction and um, she would always tell me that Rachel you don't need a man for anything you can always do everything on your own and then at the same time she would say things like well when are you gonna get married and have children and I'm just like good grief um, just so many conflicting right it very much was conflicting but when I was in high school she gave me such a hard time because I had a really nice boyfriend he was very nice um, but the problem is, is that he had no driver ambition. And so he said he was going to quit high school and he wasn't going to go to college. I said, I'm sorry, we have to break up. And he said, what? And I said, well, I can't be with somebody who doesn't have any ambition, who's not going to graduate high school, who doesn't want to go to college, you know. Um, and he goes, oh, my gosh. And then she she told me, she said, <clears throat> that was just awful. Why could why would you do that? And I'm like, because there's th certain things that I want. Right. My, my significant other that I have now, we've been together going on 17 years. Wow. And, right, and we're not married, but but when we first got together, I pretty much laid it out. Like, this is what I expect. This is what I don't expect. If you want to do something and, and realize that I, I don't have to have you, I don't need you, but I want you. And so if you want to do this with me, then the, this is what I want. You know, I want a partner. I don't want somebody to tell me, you know, what to do. I think that's really important. I think that's something that a lot of young women miss on yeah. because we're always told to settle. Yeah, no, we don't, don't we're, settle. We're not, we're not told to choose, yeah. right? We, we're always told like, oh, well, a guy likes you or, well, typically if we're talking uh, heterosexual, I, right. I apologize uh, to any listeners out there, but... But in, like, a heterosexual setting, like, we're always told, like, okay, like, a man likes you. Like, you should go for him. He's a nice. You should be grateful. Yeah, you should be grateful that a man. <laughs> and it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold your right? horses. Are you telling me that only one man is interested in me? Right. Are you calling me ugly? Is that what's happening, Karen? <laughs> Are you telling me only one guy who technically wants a maid, technically who wants a mom, who wants to be mothered, Right. Are you telling me, like, I should settle for that right. so I clean up after him? Are you telling me I should settle for a man who doesn't know how to do right. laundry? Right. Well, it's the same way, though, when you look at employment, exactly. right? You have to be able to say, this is what I'm going to stand for, and this is not what I'm going to stand for. These are the things that I want, and these are the things that I'm, I don't want. Granted, will you have to take something just to have something until you, the something better comes along? Absolutely, everybody has done it. I mean, I've, I've worked my fair share of bartending jobs and hated every minute of it. Um, but I had to, you know, go to school, had to work my way up, had to, you know, get my degrees, all of that stuff. And But a relationship is just like the job market, right? You take what you want. And if it's not what you want, don't take it regardless of how much money it is or whatever the perks are. Because if it's not exactly what you want, then you're going to leave it anytime anyway, right? right? And chances are you're not going to be paid. Right. And so um, it, it's all the same. Right. And, and so you have to be able to be forthcoming about that information when it comes to the workplace, when it comes to when it comes to children. You know, do you want children? Do you not want children? Be upfront and honest about that. And also make sure, too, that if you do decide to have children, that you're paying attention to who you're sending out and, and preparing to send out into the world. You know, um, my 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 dear friend uh, Courtney Jarrett, who's also the director of disability services, um, she uh, very much you know she's a mother. She is a, a professional woman. She um, is a wife, and she she has two sons. And she'll tell you, you know, 
I'm trying to raise two feminist men, right? That is is what she's doing. She's making sure that sh- that they that the the children that she raises and the people that she puts out into the world are good people. I think that's important. We it's very important. We do need more of that, especially if we want to look at changing employment and look at changing sexism and racism and classism and every other ism is out there. Um, the people who are out here having children, um, they need to, to be considering, you know, what kind of people are you raising? What kind of people are you going to set loose on the rest of us? Well, and I mean, children reflect their parents. Yeah. And your perception of a relationship is partly influenced by your parents' relationship or whoever raised you's yes. relationship. I mean, I know that, I mean, thankfully, my parents had a good relationship. They are still married. They're still going strong. Woohoo! Uh, <laughs> yay for 21, 22 years of marriage. Yay. Yay. Um, C- congratulations. Yeah. That's actually not common anymore. Yeah, yeah, actually. And that's actually very interesting. And in a lot of in, in Indian culture and just Asian culture in general, divorce is very uncommon because right. it's it's taboo. You don't you don't divorce once you get married. You're married. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like it's it's just bad. It's bad. And people who do get divorced, it's a, like it's, it's more harder on the woman, right? You know, because yeah. you're kind of you're ostracized. Yes. You like it's what did you do wrong? Right. Okay. So, but why are you thinking of it's the woman's fault? Right. What did the man do wrong? Well, same way with cheating, right? Right. If if it, in a heterosexual relationship. Um, generally speaking, if a man steps out of the relationship, then people will ask her, well, what did you do or what did you not do exactly. to where he stepped out? Right. It, it must be your fault somehow. Um, as if, you know, and and that seems to be the thing, too, is that regardless of what type of relationship that you're in, uh, when one person steps out of the out of the relationship, the other is sitting there thinking, OK, what did I do for this? And it has nothing to do with them. It's it's be, it's because of the other person. Yeah. You know, we are at Byte and yep. entertainment tech and culture. Yes. Uh, what are the words? We are an organization that covers that three facets of news. So obviously, like, what, like, how do you think that entertainment and partic- particularly, like, the standards that we see on TV kind of affect the way relationships are played out and just in in the way like women are treated in the workforce i feel like real life kind of mirrors uh tv shows and entertainment so what like what is your position what's your stance on that one of the things that i i remember reading when you had, had sent me some information before we decided to do this was um uh, in regards to women in technology, right, and mm-hmm. and and the role of women in technology, and why there aren't enough women in technology, and why the number is really low, and the one thing that I keep coming back to is um, is the video gaming uh, industry, right? Yes. The fact that female gamers, um, the way that they are treated by male gamers, and um, I mean, there have have been situations where um, where women have been threatened to be raped. Um, through a video game, right, um, where they're cursed at and where they're they're verbally, you know, or emotionally abused, you know, by others, by males, and um, if unless women can find spaces that are safe and unless men can basically stop being jerks, then um, this is always going to be a problem because there are amazing female gamers out there, right? Um, but yet at the same time, if these women can't get into a position where they they can play and feel comfortable playing without being harassed or without being, you know, abused in some manner, um, then how are they going to keep and carry on and, and move on? How are they going to go into the computer sciences? How are they going to – a field that is dominated by men? Because their exposure, and especially younger, right? I mean, if you're 13, 14, 15 years old as a female gamer – and you're looking at, and you're playing your game, and you're constantly being harassed and abused by men, and you even think that you want to go into a male-dominated field like computer, you know, computers or information technology, or even the STEM fields, right? I mean, as far as science and, and all of that fun stuff. Um, but yet your experiences and, and the men that you have been exposed to have harassed and abused you in some manner, then... Are you really going to go into those fields? Probably not. You're going to instead go ahead and go with something that is more safe, you know, that is more female-dominated teaching, 
you know, nursing, yeah. um, that type of thing, where, quite frankly, you're still going to make less money than a man if he were in those positions. Right. So I mean, that's one of those that's one of those areas that it's it's like if this is what you're exposed to, then what do you expect? It's going to yeah. turn you away yeah. from that. And I know neither of us are in the STEM field yeah. or I, and I'm not very good at math. So I've never just been like, woohoo, STEM. But yeah. for those females and for those girls and I have a lot of girlfriends that are in the STEM field right now. And honestly, hats off to them. They're yes. in the medical field. I have a friend who's doing chemistry great stuff but i've seen that like their classes and a lot of their classmates are men yes and i've just heard a lot of things that that they've been told that puts them off from that yes you know and obviously i can't attest to this because i'm not in that field but you know when you're it, it's kind of similar to just like walking into a class and there's like all like all these dudes as a woman you kind of feel like okay like what am I supposed to do? You can't really like to an extent. I feel like you can't, you can't become truly one of the bros. Right. In my opinion, like obviously feel free to argue with me on that. But I think that, I think it's just the same thing. Like as a woman, you connect with women better because you have that shared group of experiences. But with males, like, yes, you can be one of the bros, but there are certain things that make a bro a bro that perhaps a woman cannot empathize. Sure. Well, or, or depending on the bro, right? Depending on the bro, because of the course. the whole idea, the concept of friend zone is ridiculous, right? And and so that could be a completely whole another topic for you. But um, but you know, if you have a, a relationship with a male friend who is respectful and respects you and doesn't just want to have sex with you and isn't just your friend to have sex with you, um, that you know is truly a friend then that's most definitely you can hang with, with the bros, oh, right? Yeah, but for the most part, there's not a lot of women who can find that because exactly. that, especially among heterosexual friends, right, um, that that they can't find that because it's it's um, then it becomes something of, of um, emasculating towards heterosexual males that right. they have, you know, oh, you that, that person's your friend. Oh, you must be trying to sleep with her. No, you, <laughs> right? You would be amazed at how many times I've gotten that. So Actually, I would not. <laughs> my 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 two my two best friends at college, they are both males. Yeah. Um. And uh, well, one of them is uh he, like they like we we're just friends, you know, like strictly friends. Uh, none of that. And then one of them uh, is just like every time I hang out with them. People are always like, "Oh, you're trying to you're trying to get with them. You're trying to mm-hmm. sleep with them." Like same goes. Like anytime yeah. I'm hanging out with both of them, yeah. like we go out to a restaurant, we go out. Uh, obviously pre-pandemic, but every time we go, they're like, "Oh, y'all are dating. Like, what can I get this lovely couple? Or your girlfriend is really nice." Yeah, they. I'm like, "Oh my god, right. we are friends. Right. Stop it." Yep. I I, under- I understand. I have that same problem. Just when when I um. I used to hang out in pool rooms and play pool all the time, and all of my friends were were males because, of course, males also were the the majority of the pool players. And so, um, but that was always a thing, right? Is that oh, if you hang out with her, if you spend hours, you know, playing pool with her, then you're trying to sleep with her, and you're not really her friend. So um, that became a an issue, of course. So yeah, it, it's a problem, but at the same time, you know. Uh, I mean, just think about the fact that that a, a woman who wants to get into science and it is intimidating to have to walk into a science class. And if you're the only female or only a couple, one of a couple of females. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've had students even here at this university um, tell me that they've changed their majors out of STEM fields because of the way that they had been treated by classmates or also just professors in general like again going back to what i said earlier on in the episode a lot of teachers k through 12 especially in math or science are males and like frankly the only teachers that i've had in math or science are like stereotypically male Mm -hmm. you know and as like as a female sometimes i i I am afraid of going and asking my male teacher a question, you know, mm-hmm. and it's it doesn't have to. I know it's not it sounds bad when it comes out because obviously equality like I shouldn't be scared. But society mm-hmm. has taught me to fear right. men yes. and especially like men in po- positions of authority. Yes. And I 
I just think like, w- what can we do to get more inclusivity, get more diversity in these positions of power so we can get more females right. in STEM and just tech fields in general? Sure. Well, and, and that's the thing. I mean, we're not even just, I mean, we can look at females, but then also looking at the people of color, right? right? I mean, because quite frankly, when you look around, um, even at a place like Ball State, who, who works very hard to try just to be inclusive and diverse, um, you know, how many um, of those that are in, you know, the sciences, uh, the hard sciences, especially in, in the STEM fields, you know, um, if, it, if it is someone who is a woman of color, you know, and her, she has a white male teacher, um, will she be intimidated to ask questions? Will she be intimidated to go to office hours? You know, that that is a, a an issue, right? It's, 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 a, it's a huge issue. Um, of course, I would say um, that as a student, you should always self-advocate because it's about you and about your education. And education is something that nobody can take away from you. And so you do whatever you have to to fight for it and to get it um, because once you have it, it's yours. So, you know, even if it means confronting some of those fears. That, you know... I feel like I feel like that's kind of one of the reasons why women were barred from like achieving higher secondary education is because knowledge is power. It is. And once and I mean, you've seen that, like once we got into higher secondary education, feminism took off. Yeah. And a lot of like a lot of men knew that like a lot Mm -hmm. of the men who are trying to stop women from going there, like they knew. Yes. Education is like. Yeah. The key to that cage that caged us for such a long time. And honestly, like pr- from personal experience, I've had one Indian female teacher. Yeah. And, you know, and I love my professors. I love all of them. I have a majority of my professors are female, white females. And that's okay. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we've like, I've got that female solidarity with them. Right. And that is fine. But I had um, an Indian female professor. And, it was just a it was a normal class it was a fantastic class i enjoyed her class but there was just something that it just hit different you know sure. she looked like you she looked like me she yeah. spoke like me yeah uh we're from like we were from the same country yeah all of that you know it's i don't know it's just it, it hits it, it hits different culturally it's important know? it's important yeah. and i you know i never realized how important that diversity was because i just kind of put it back in my mind that i was like no we're all one. We're all the human race. You know, it, it's all fine. And it doesn't matter what race other people are. And I, I tried to look past race, mm. but I don't think it works that, like no. that necessarily. It doesn't. It doesn't. And as much mm-hmm. as I try <laughs> to be equal and to be, quote, colorblind, as much as I hate that phrase, eh. um, it, it, it just doesn't work. And it, it makes it shows how important representation is in yeah. the STEM field, in yeah. just anything. Just in the in, workplace. In the workplace, anything yeah. like that. Um, well, and I think that also that it's important that, that the fact that, you know, yes, co- you can't be colorblind. You have to address people's race, right? And you can have equality and you can give equality and expect equality even while addressing other people's race, you know, and addressing their their sex or their gender identity or their, you know, whatever it is and however it is that people identify, um, you know, you can still be a decent and good human being and treat everyone equally um, regardless of all of those things. But at the same time, all of those things have to be uh, it's a part of who those people are, and it's, so it's a part of of respecting them and being equal towards them by by understanding that 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 equality is important, that their identity is important. And as like the workplace keeps getting more and my, more diverse, and we're getting a lot more Gen Z, which is yeah. one of the most diverse, open minded generations thus far and we and i am gen z and we are getting to the age where we're entering the workplace and so obviously we've seen that there is so much inequality in the workplace how do you think employers can begin to fix these already existing and widening gaps in the workplace um (laughs) 
my personal philosophy on this one is that, quite frankly, I am a huge fan. I mean, I'm a Gen Xer, right? I came from the most apathetic generation. I mean, we just sat around, listened to Nirvana, and, and really didn't do much. But, um, but the thing is, is that we can look at at millennials and Gen Z, and I get excited, right? Because you guys are going to change the world, and you're going to change the world for the better for the rest of us. And so, quite frankly, for me, when I look at um, the fact that this is like Gen Z is the most open-minded generation, and that they're the most accepting generation of others, and and um, they are ones to promote equality and and to try to to get rid you know smash the patriarchy and get rid of the sexism and classism and racism and and they're working towards that. Um, quite frankly, if employers don't jump on the bandwagon, Gen Z is just going to run them over. Um, they will put them out of business and start their own businesses when it comes to the workplace. They will be the ones who will. Um, I mean, change the complete structure and quite frankly, even even the economic system. And, and don't get me started on capitalism and, you know, how um, it perpetuates inequality. Um, but I do think that that Gen Z, uh, the millennials and Gen Z very much are, are the ones to um, to watch out for, because I personally can't wait to see what your generation does when you guys start running for office and you get into you know, the positions of, of making laws. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm excited to see it. I'm ready for you guys to graduate and, you know, get a little older and, and do some amazing things because I think that that's going to happen. Fingers crossed. Fingers yeah. crossed, yeah. That's so, my hope. Yeah. I mean, and, like, one can only hope yeah. that um, – and, I mean, the hope goes with each generation, right? I feel like just even before us, like, the hope was the millennials yeah. uh, do things. I mean, they've they've done some stuff. I'm yeah. not, I know there's, like, this huge rift between millennials and Gen Z. I'm not going to no. play into that. But uh, I was going to say, I thought it was like, oh, oh, wait a minute. Is it Gen Z and boomers or is it millennials and boomers? Oh, I know, all I know is that Gen X is out of it because, you know, like I said, yeah. we don't do anything anyway. Gen X is kind of a little <laughs> bit forgotten. Sorry, not no. sorry. Well, no, I think there was a, um, a f- I think it was a Fox commentator who was, who like tweeted out something like Gen Z help us or something. What uh, is that supposed to mean? It was, it was like, you know, back us up on this. And, and it was about, um, I don't know, it was about censorship and conservatism and all this stuff. And, and it, I mean, there was a serious backlash because all these Gen Xers start tweeting and posting about, excuse me, but you censored all of our music, you know. You tried to get rid of rap, you know, when it first came out for us, right? Yeah. Um, we had to put up with a lot of crap from those people who were trying to censor us and who were trying to stop us from from becoming, you know, whoever it was that we were going to become. Uh, no, we're not helping you. Right. Um, and there was a really great, and I wish I could think of it right now, but um, uh, Rorschach from The Watchmen, mm-hmm. there was a really great meme that was going around. There's a part in the film and even in the comic where it was talking about, you know, how all these people are saying, help me, you know, help me. And that we'll look back and we'll say no. You know, and yeah. so there was this Rorschach meme going around of where, you know, conservatives were, you know, asking Gen X to help and Gen X says no. You know, it was great. Yeah. I loved it. I just yeah. I don't understand. And we could get into that generation yeah. battle and all of that. But that is a story for another day. But, you know, we're coming down to the end of this episode. And, you know, like throughout the years, again, we've made so much progress towards equality in the workplace and just feminism in general. And like I've said before, this pandemic is kind of erasing our progress, but we're almost there. You know, like I can, I can see it. I can see that we're almost about to break the glass ceiling or whatever the saying is. We're getting closer. We're getting closer. But in your opinion, what else needs to be done in addition to what's happened already? The Equal Rights Amendment. I mean, the... The second, the second wave from the 1960s and 70s was pushing for the Equal Rights Amendment um, back then, and unfortunately not enough states ratified. Um, it's still on the table to be ratified. It still could be ratified, even in the 21st century. Um, Joe Biden, what are you doing? Right. Um, well, I mean, he's kind of got a, a pandemic and an economic issue going on. So. All only small issues, you Just a f- small issues. But at the same time, there is this underlying... Um, you know, I mean, let's put in protections so that 
you know, people are protected regardless of sex. And, you know, that there is equality, true equality for everyone. Um, and so, um, you know, so that we can stop this stuff. You know, there's also the issue, too, that, like, employers, one of the things that just really irritates me is this idea that you can't talk about your pay with other employees, Interesting. Right. Because when you go into the workplace, you're not supposed to talk about how much you make. Well, why not? Well, because employers don't want employees talking about how much they make because then. Right. Because then they'll see the inequalities behind it. Right. And so for me, I'm like, uh, no, y'all need to start talking about it. Talk about how much money you make. Talk about where you're getting paid. Talk about your benefits. Right. Because if it's not equal, then it's not right. You know, if it's not across the board, then it's not right for the job that you're doing. Right. Granted, the CEO, of course, is always going to make more money than than, you know, the someone who's below. But still, if it's across the board. Right. This idea of men making more money than women making more money. And, and no, if you're doing the same job, you should be making the same amount of money. So people need to start talking about how much money they make. You know, speaking of that and benefits, one uh, report that I saw from indeed regarding that is that like apparently 67 of males said that they would be comfortable asking for a raise in the next month and they would be comfortable for asking for a promotion but only 52 percent of women said that they'd be comfortable asking for a raise and 54 percent said that they'd be comfortable asking for a promotion and there's that like there's that big gap and disparity like why do you think men are a lot more comfortable for asking for a raise and asking for those promotions than women are well because men have been taught to negotiate right i mean just think about the the types of classes that that generally men will take versus the type of classes that women will take right um they um, men it's actually considered um, acceptable language skills and behaviors when men actually negotiate with each other, right? Whereas women have this tendency to kind of take what is given or what is offered um, and just say thank you for thinking of me kind of thing, you know? Um, whereas men are like, you know, I, I really prefer this or, or I really like this. And, and even as children, right? When you look at the way that, that girls play, versus play for boys and the types of toys that they play with or the kind of games that they play with. Um, men are also taught to be more confident in their negotiating skills. Um, and if you will let me do a shameless plug for Women's Week, because um, actually tomorrow, the 23rd, um, there is going to be a talk from 6 to 7.30 um, on Work Smart, which is on salary negotiations with Rachel Roberts. So that's exactly what she'll be talking about tomorrow is how we can get women, you know, to work smarter, get involved in those salary nego negotiations, asking for more money um, so that we can kind of get this get, get this moving. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely important. Me too. And final question, you know, yeah. since we're kind of nearing the end of our wonderful conversation is, in general, how can we support working women right now during the pandemic? Like, wh what, can pe what can people do? Uh, well, let's see. I mean, it, like I said, it's a small things, right? Um, if you know a working woman um, with children, you know, ask. Ask what you can do. Ask if she needs help. Ask if you, you know, ask if she's taken a, if she's taken any type of self-care days. Ask if you can come in and clean her living room or her bathroom or just clean her house for a day, you know. Ask if you can take the children to the park. I mean, the weather's beautiful and it's it's spring, you know. Take the children off of her hands. Um, invite her out to dinner, you know. There are so many things that we can do in order to help um, women in that regard, right? But there's also this great desire and this great need that systemic changes have to be made in the workplace um, in order for true re... I mean, to, to do somebody's dishes, right, at short term, they're grateful, they get a little bit of a break. But, but in order to, you know, eliminate the wage gap, right, that makes huge change later on, right? Um, so the little things can add up to bigger things. And it's it's making sure, too, that even within your own relationships, you know, quite frankly, if you are um, in a relationship and you are expecting your significant other to do all of these things and you are not helping, then, you know, 
you need to suck it up cupcake and get with the program and start helping out. I mean, that's just what has to happen, even if you are tired, because if you're tired, imagine how tired they are. Yeah. So, yeah, there's 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 things. And, and if you think outside of the box or even think in the box, there's always something that can be done to help, you know, a woman. And it doesn't you don't have to go out and and march. Don't get me wrong. I love me a good protest and rally. But you don't have to go out and march in order to make a change. You literally can make changes small and more significant changes small within your circle, whether it's friends or family. And you know what she said, do someone's dishes for them. That's, that's what's important. I wish someone would do my dishes. That'd be great. But, um, you know, we're out here. And also that's a wrap on another episode of the coven I am your host, Shweta Sundarajan, and joining me today was Rachel Smith. All right. Thank you, everyone. Happy Women's History Month, and tune in next week for a brand new episode. Thank you.